are now listening to an exclusive interview only on uclaradio.com. What's up? We're back. This is Tony Hawk's Underground, and you're listening to uclaradio.com. My name is DJ Pop Shove It, and I'm here with my co-host, DJ Kickflip McTwist. Hello. And we have the moment of the century, the Tony Hawk interview going on right now. We have Tony on the line. Let's get going. Um, hey, Tony. A cool DJ name. What's up? Sorry? I, I, I feel bad. I don't have a cool DJ name. Uh, you can be, I don't know, DJ Birdhouse or something cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, here with DJ Kickflip and DJ Birdhouse here doing this interview. Um, just wanted to get a little bit of background for everyone who's listening. My show is called Tony Hawk's Underground. It's normally Tuesdays at 4 p.m., but we switched it around today. And I chose to do this show about Tony Hawk, the franchise and the video games and skateboarding in general, because I think it's so cool how there's so much like of a subculture in skate culture with music and... I don't know. I just think it's so cool and interesting that it's so closely connected. So we called up Tony today and wanted to talk to him about just music and life and inspiration and a bunch more stuff. So before we get started, um, I know that you've traveled all over the world, Tony, with your career, but I know you're originally from Carlsbad, which is actually where I'm from, too. So oh, I cool. Yeah, I wanted to ask, what were some of your favorite spots in Carlsbad? Um, well, actually, I grew up in Chirisana, uh, which is uh, closer to downtown San Diego. Oh, yeah. And moved to Carlsbad when I was in high school. So spent my high school years uh, surfing and skating Carlsbad. Like the, um, well, my, my surf spot was Cherry Street. Oh, cool. Um, with Carlsbad Pipelines was actually one of my sponsors. They're still there, the, the skate shop. Yeah, I grew up going there. Um, and, um, I, I, my earliest memories of Carlsbad was getting kicked out of the original Carlsbad skate park because it was closed, and we tried to hop the fence, and this guy came out with a shotgun. And oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty wild. Carlsbad's pretty mellow. I wouldn't expect that from there, but cool. Uh, well, it was, it, was, it was kind of a thing because it was one of the original. It was actually, I think the original skate park was, mm-hmm. was the Carlsbad skate park at the Carlsbad Raceway, and um, I had started skating by the time it had closed, so we knew it still existed, and we actually made a, you know, we made a trip there, and um, we got shut down. Oh, well, that's still pretty close. But I think that guy was, I think that guy had come out with a shotgun many times. (laughs) He probably knew it worked. That would freak me out. Yes, it worked, absolutely. (laughs) It's the only way to get, like, the devoted kids to get out of there. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, I know that you lead like a really busy life with all your business endeavors. You have a clothing line. Um, you have birdhouse skateboards. You travel around filming videos, and you do a lot of stuff. So I wanted to ask you, what was it like making the transition from being a pro skater to being a businessman? Um, I don't think it was a conscious decision. It was just more that I had these opportunities come up and they seem to fit within my culture and my world. And so I would say that really happened with the release of the video games because suddenly my name was a brand and yeah. that wasn't something I was used to where it was like, yeah, I was a pro skater and I had skateboards with my name on it. But when the video game came out and it started to get popular, it became like 
Tony Hawk was the synonymous name with a game series and skateboarding in general. And um, then I started getting these different opportunities. And that's kind of when it became like, oh, that this is more of a business now. Um, and I would say probably with the release of the game and, and our clothing line was when everything became a more of a business. Mm-hmm. And did you bounce around any other names for the video games or were they always going to be Tony Hawk's? Um, well, it was, it was always going to be this sort of possessive Tony Hawk's whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny you say that because on the original game release, they couldn't say pro skater in Europe and Australia because they because it was so associated with ice skating. Oh, I see. So in Australia, it was Tony Hawk skateboarding, and I'm pretty sure it was the same in Europe. That's like pretty much says it all, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And I wanted to ask too about um, you kind of made a decision to to some like commercial sponsorships outside of skateboarding. Like I know Bagel Bites is a big big one. Uh, why did you yeah. make that decision, and how do you think that affected your career? Well, I made the decision because uh, they, because they came knocking on my door. <laughs> um, I, I didn't have those opportunities earlier in my career, especially in the 80s, because skateboarding just wasn't considered that mainstream. So no big corporations were looking to sponsor skateboarders. Um, and when I had the opportunity, I felt like I could use their marketing and advertising reach to introduce skateboarding to a new audience. That was my that was my whole angle on it was that with their with their um, audience we can show skateboarding in the best light and and maybe introduce skateboarding to a whole new generation and, and I feel like that definitely is what happened. Um, and I and I was able to uh, I was able to demand that they also donate money to my foundation which was helping to build public skate parks. And so in taking that, and, and of course, I, I benefit financially myself, but in taking that money, I was able to help skateboarding in general. That's awesome. That's like the part that I think a lot of people kind of missed when they were getting mad about that, because I think that's super cool, especially how it contributed oh, to your so foundation. Mad. They're still mad. It's okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with it. I sleep well. I saw the new Bagel Bites commercial, and I thought that was super funny. I liked how you just went for it. Yeah, it's funny. I, I actually, um, since having the original sponsorship, every once in a while on social media, I'll grab some at the store and just put a you know a photo or a video of me <laughs> grabbing it from the freezer. And uh, and I think they took notice, and they actually ended up calling me last year. So <laughs> that was a nice surprise. Yeah, that's super funny. Um, I guess let's switch on to the biggest topic of this conversation, Um we talked about your video games a little bit, but those video games completely changed a big part of the music scene with those soundtracks. And, you know, when I talk to people about doing this interview at UCLA Radio, so many kids and people my age were just like, oh, I grew up listening to those soundtracks, or oh, those are like the coolest soundtracks ever that influenced my music taste so much. So I wanted to ask, how involved were you with creating those soundtracks, and what was your goal with choosing that type of music? Uh, I was very involved, um, especially in the first few games, and um, I, the goal was to to represent skateboarding culture and lifestyle the best, the most authentically. I mean, that that was the that was the entire reason for that music because I felt like punk music was such a soundtrack to my youth and to skateboarding in general, 
especially in the formative years of the eighties. And I just wanted to share that. It was it wasn't like I was trying to create a new genre or, or get people interested in a certain type of music. It was just more like this represents what we do and it's definitely it's not top forty. Um and it you know it, it it's not uh stadium rock. It's truly what we were listening to growing up. Yeah, that's super cool. And that got so many people into that kind of music too, which is awesome. That was, a, I mean, really, that was all a nice byproduct. Like, I, that was not my intention ever, was mm-hmm. that I was going to convert a bunch of people to our taste of music. Yeah, it's, I think it's cool, though. Um, what are some of your favorite bands, like, in general, and what are some of your favorite bands from the 90s? Um, well, my favorite bands in general are more rooted in, in punk, like uh, The Clash, Buzzcocks. Um, Black Flag, Gang of Four. Wow. I'd say those, those are some of the top ones. Uh, it's hard for me to, to navigate eras like decades because I'm way older, so everything kind of bleeds together. <laughs> um, if I had to say 90s, wow, what um, that that would be really difficult for me to, to to narrow down. I think that by the time the 90s came around, my tastes had evolved a bit and uh i was really into the industrial movement like the nine snails and ministry type of stuff oh, cool. um but still that was still steeped in all the original punk stuff like dead kennedys and um and uh the like so i uh i don't know what would you what do you consider 90s <laughs> um i don't know we were just curious because we really like 90s music and we know you were kind of big in that era um but i don't know i guess like nirvana and like pearl jam is all the later 90s and stuff i mean nirvana nirvana changed the landscape i saw i saw nirvana a month after nevermind came out wow and it was insane it was crazy because it was like they had just started to pick up momentum so they were playing small venues but getting a crowd that was way too big wow. for that venue, and and it was it was like, it was the heaviest mosh pit I've ever seen. <laughs> so that way, yeah, that sounds insane. Um, and I know your son Riley plays in a band, so I was wondering, do you play any musical instruments, and do, do you ever play in a band? Uh, I used to play violin when I was younger. That's very punk. And the closest thing I got to being in a band was playing in the in the school concerts <laughs> on the weekends. Cool. Um, and honestly, that's. That's kind of why I stopped playing because I was skating so much that my music teacher was frustrated that I couldn't go to the school concerts anymore. And he really wanted me to pursue violin seriously. And I just said, I can't. I, I, on weekends is when I'm skating at competitions, so I, I can't. And he told me I had to choose one or the other. I think you probably made a good choice. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I do miss being able to play an instrument. It was really fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, DJ Kickflip and I actually play in a band together, and we were, like, bouncing around name ideas, and we were thinking about calling it, like, Rip Tony Hawk, like, Rest in Peace Tony Hawk, but then we didn't want to disrespect you, so we chose a different name, but that was one of our considerations. That would be, that would be a shock to the system to see that name so We thought it would be pretty punk. <laughs> I guess. Well, you have my permission for what it's worth. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Um, but then I also wanted to talk to you about fashion while we're talking about music and culture. Um, I know you have multiple clothing lines, including your new Tony Hawk signature line. Um, and so you have to stay pretty in touch with the fashion world. Um, 
what do you think of like your style? How would you define your style and how would you define the style that you go for with your fashion lines? Um, I think my style is a little more subdued than what we create because I'm older and I'm not trying to draw that much attention to myself. <laughs> so I try to stay stylish within my age group, but not force it to the point where I'm dressing like a 20 year old. That's fair. Um, in Supreme gear. But, uh, but I think that uh, um, for what we try to do with the clothing line, we try to stay very much rooted in skateboard culture and that sense of fashion. And I think that that's come a long way, especially with the advent of, of successes like Supreme and, um, and Diamond and uh, Palace. You know, th- those are all based from skateboarding. And so there's a sense that, you can still look cool, but have clothes that are functional for being active, which is skating. Yeah, definitely. Um, what do you think about like the mainstream popularity of all of those brands? Because a lot of people don't even know Supreme is a skate brand anymore. They just think of it as a designer. Uh, I just think it, I think it's it, it's validation of of the authenticity of skateboarding, and, and I think that it just shows how far we've come as a, as a culture and a lifestyle because. Skating was mostly passed off, especially in the 80s and 90s, as just a fad or a novelty. Right. And it just shows that it's, it's here to stay, and it's infiltrated so many aspects of, of um, society. Yeah, skating's huge now, and that's what's so cool about this whole culture that's formed. Um, so kind of lastly, as we get towards the end of this interview, I know that you have to work very hard and have had to work very hard in your career to get to where you are. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about your inspiration. What is something that is inspiring you right now? Um, seeing the heightened interest of skateboarding and especially girls in skateboarding, I think that's probably the most exciting part of, of what I do now because we've girls that skated, especially in my day, were, were so rare and were, were, you know, treated more as a novelty and not, not something that was valid. And now there's a huge push. There's equal prize money. There are equal events. And um, I'm proud to be part of that movement. And, and uh, I love seeing that girls are encouraged just as much as any kids are. Yeah, I think that's great because when I was growing up, there was, like, a few female surfers that I really looked up to and stuff, but there weren't a ton of female skaters even just, like, 18 years ago, and now it's so much bigger, which I think is awesome. I um, mean, truly, it was, there were a handful. Yeah, definitely. Days. That's great. Um, and then lastly, I just kind of wanted to ask, um, what achievement are you most proud of in your life? Um, I, I get asked that a lot. I, I, I truly... For me, it's more the here and now. So to be considered a relevant pro skater at my age and and as a responsible adult with, with a family, I think that's what I'm most proud of, that, that I can still manage to do this and be an effective father and husband and, um, and functioning adult. Yeah, that's a big part of it. That's really important. Well, that's super cool. Um, I guess that's all we have for you now. Any Anything else? Okay, well, yeah, thank you so much for talking to us, Tony. We really appreciate it, and this is really the highlight of our show, so thanks for taking time to give us a little chat. Well, thanks for, uh, for 
for honoring me and our game series with your show. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's really influenced my music taste so much in my life. I grew up playing underground with my brother, and I really liked the freak out part. That was probably my favorite part as like a six year old. I would make them fall on purpose so I could just freak out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks so much, Tony. Okay, thank you. Have a good one. Okay, bye. Bye.